0: be more excited for your teammate's success rather than your own success. You may have beef with a teammate. You may not really get along with a teammate. But off the field, let that happen. On the field, it should never make its way to the dugout. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off. I have a question for you. How bad do you want to win? Today, I'm devoting an entire episode on six ways to boost your chances of winning. Now, we can't predict wins, but you can put a few things in your control to increase your chances of winning more often. This is for players to start taking advantage of the opportunities they have in front of them more coaches to start incorporating some of these practices into their practice and their game routines. And parents, this is going to help you encourage working with your players on the things outside the white line so they can show up at their best when their best is needed. All right, let's get into it. Here's probably the biggest one. And yes, I made it number one because I wanted to make sure everybody heard this, but the team that has the most energy from the first pitch or even really before, is the team that's likely going to win. They're not always going to win, but a lot of times when there's an early morning game, you'll see teams that won't really start picking up their energy until inning six, and it's too late. So the team that shows up with the most energy from inning one usually wins the game. Ways that you can implement this is having a really good pregame routine. Maybe the team does a cheer before they play, they scream out loud, they do something exciting to get their heart rate up and get them awake. A really, really good warm-up routine for a team is crucial. If you just roll roll up to the field and, you know, swing about a few times and start to play, you're not going to be ready. Um, but a really good warm-up routine that allows you to be in a sweat, to get your mind ready to make decisions are huge. Maybe it's a little hacky sack before the game or a game of tag. It's something to help activate your brain and help you wake up. Also with this, eat something before you play. <laughs> I know you might have an early morning game and you're not hungry, but we had Caitlin McNally, she's a dietitian on the podcast recently, and this was in episode 141. She taught us how to maximize performance through nutrition. Now, I loved oatmeal a little over an hour before a game. That was in college when I started building a good routine. But it can be oatmeal, but you really need some sort of carbohydrates because those are literally energy. So maybe it's a banana, some sort of fruit, a piece of toast with some peanut butter or two, um, a breakfast sandwich. Just make sure you're not down in this like right before the game. You're going to be a little slouchy, but something to help you wake up. And I did oatmeal before every game because I knew how I was going to feel when I had it. I didn't do a lot of experimenting um, in the middle of college season, but you can do some of that experimenting maybe before a big practice or before some you know games that don't exactly mean as much, maybe a scrimmage or something like that. But really your nutrition will help you wake up as well. Take your pregame routine very seriously and it's going to help you be more mentally and physically prepared and you'll come out more awake than your opponent, which will likely lead to a win. All right, number two, know how to fail fast, okay? Learn from your mistakes quickly and get over them, really. Maybe you have a good red light release routine, That is a routine that Sue Inquist came and talked about in episode 14 of the podcast. I know that's a way, ways back. If you haven't listened to that one, definitely get your hands on it. But what the red light release routine is basically doing something physical, like maybe picking up a piece of dirt with your hands that is simulating the error that just happened or the swing and miss or whatever it is and throwing it away. That is your physical motion of getting rid of the thing that's happened so you can be more present. So it's getting over the mistake faster and learning that, okay, that's gone. I'm flushing it and I'm ready to get my job done for this next pitch. Maybe this is something that you coaches can help implement into your team and practices, kid you not, Sue Inquist had a station. She's a Hall of Fame coach. She's won multiple national championships, and she literally had a station at practice working on the red light release. Um, She would have her players pat their chest and say the outs to the person next to them. These are all physical things that can help you get over what had just happened, get in the present moment, and get the job done. So this is gonna help you make faster adjustments because the team who can make faster adjustments, I've said this before, is the team that's likely going to win. So not letting one error turn into another and another. Not letting one strike out turn into another and another and another. So these are ways that you can literally get rid of what has just happened, get back into the present moment and go do something about it. So learn how to fail fast. Number three, focus on the now. So this, you can probably think of this as getting present, but this is like even more deeper. So obviously we want to be present, but if you're worried about what's happened in the past or you're worried about what could happen in the future, if it's negative, you are distracting yourself on what's literally right in front of you. So if you're standing in the box and you're nervous to strike out, you are literally putting yourself into a future that doesn't exist, but you will end up there because you are living there. I hope that makes sense. So good tools to think about are only focusing on the ball. As soon as you take away your focus from the ball itself... You are getting distracted and getting away from what you're able to do. So for example, when I was a hitter, I really loved looking at the pitcher's hip whenever I was kind of distracted. If I had things in my mind that I was, if I was living in the past or the future, I would literally stare at the pitcher's hip because that gave me the ball that was going to come out of the hip towards me as a hitter. And it would get me back into a focused place that's not distracted. If you find yourself not being present, it'll look kind of like this. So on defense, if you are bobbling the ball and you're not usually bobbing the ball, but you're focused too much on the throw, even though the ball's not in your glove yet, that's like taking your your eye off too soon. That is a sign that you probably need to work on being more present and working on one thing at a time. Maybe it's the hitter who swings and misses because she started to look up where she wants the ball to go rather than actually see the ball and make contact with the bat. These are simple ways of us kind of getting a little too ahead of ourselves. So we have to truly be where our feet are if we ever want to have a chance. And the teams and players who are locked in the moment are the ones who come out on top more often. Side note, this is a good tool to use to focus on being in the present. Focus on the best case scenario instead of the worst. This is where players usually get stuck. So instead of focusing on all the things that could go wrong, visualize what exactly could go right. See yourself getting the clutch hit before you've stepped into the box. See yourself making the diving play to get your team out of the inning. Watch yourself executing the most beautiful changeup on the mound and seeing the batter swing and miss. Don't try this the first time in the game because you're going to need reps in order for this to become Routine, but I challenge you to try this in practice and get in the habit of seeing yourself succeeding when there is pressure. Do that more often, and you will find yourself ready for the moment and ready to execute. Even though you don't know what will happen, you will be more than prepared. All right, number four a lot of you guys loved the episode with Patrick Murphy. We just had it recently, and he talks about this, and I think it is crucial be more excited for your teammate's success than your own success. I'm gonna say that one more time. Be more excited for your teammate's success rather than your own success. You may have beef with a teammate. You may not really get along with a teammate. But off the field, let that happen. On the field, it should never make its way to the dugout. Okay, I do recommend like, Trying to hash it out before the game. So we're not taking that with us into a game. But truly, if we take that baggage with us into games, we do not succeed. We just won't. Because you are too distracted from the thing that's most important, and that's the ball. And that is getting the job done. And that is finding a way to win. Good teams do not have drama all over the place. I truly, kid you not, had a teammate in college that I really did not get along with off the field, and. You know that wasn't one of those situations where we're just going to hash it out once it'd be fine. But you could never tell that that we had beef. You could never tell because we knew we had a job to do on the field, and it was our job to be able to work together on the field to help us win. And if she's going to help us win, we need her to do well. And everyone does better when the people around us are playing better. So. It doesn't matter if you're, I don't, I'm not saying you should be best friends with everyone on your team. You don't have to be. But you need to respect every single player to your right and to your left. And especially on the field, it is our job as a team to work together to get the job done. If there is beef on the field, there will be, you will not get the win. You will not get the win. The team that is able to get the job done on the field together better will win the team that brings drama onto the field will likely not win. All right, number five, do not play to the level of your opponent. Instead, play to the level of yourself and your strengths. I see this all the time, maybe where you're the favorite team to win, and then you find yourself taking it easy and not realizing that that team put a target on your back and is showing up and playing better than they normally do because they are trying to beat you. Yeah, we don't want that to happen. And I'm sure it's happened to all of us. When we take it easy, the other team is likely going to beat us. So you should respect and have respect for every opponent that you face and play your game, not anyone else's. If someone that you're playing or this team is quote unquote worse than you, maybe they're seated lower than you, maybe their record isn't as good as yours. If you play to their level, Sure, you could come out with a win, but the chances aren't as high as if you come to this game and say, we're playing our game today and whatever the score ends up being, the score ends up being. Play to your strengths. I've also seen the opposite happen where maybe you're the underdog and we focus on what we can control, what we can do well, And sometimes you end up beating the team who took you for granted. So this can play both ways, but at the end of the day, it's really good to be able to look at your team, look at yourself and say, what are our strengths? What are my strengths? And how can I bring them to the table? I am going to give it everything that I have, no matter the opponent. And you will likely come out on top more often than you can even imagine because you're focused on yourself and what you can do. And your team is focused on yourselves and what you can do together then you're going to show up to the game a little bit different. So play to your strengths, not to the level of your opponent. All right. The sixth and final one of this grouping is be really, really, really good at the fundamentals. A lot of teams are worried about making these like ESPN plays when they're not really good at making the average plays. When you're not thinking about how your body is going to react to the pitch or the ball and your body just naturally makes the play because you've done it a million times, maybe a little less than a million, but you've practiced it, your body starts reacting and doing things naturally rather than you having to think about it. You know what I'm talking about. Like when you're on defense and you get a ball that you're like, how the heck did I just get that? and you, and you make this crazy awesome play it's because you've made the simple play so often that your body's just like oh here it is <laughs> the the easier the game will be so easy if we can show up and just do what our, we've trained our bodies to do and that create that is all within fundamentals that is all within practice that is you know getting the thousandth rep of the month that is it it takes work And a lot of us just wanna be able to show up and be really good and not do the work, you're not gonna win as often. And I know this might be the most obvious one of all of them, but it's true. It's very hard to beat a team that does the little things right. They make the average plays. They field the bunt well. They get their sack bunt down. They know how to keep the ball low and move runners, hitters, They take advantage on the base pass. You're going to score more when you do that. If you guys want to be a better base runner, go listen to Skylar Wallace's episode. She talks about how to be aggressive on the bases. She doesn't get that way just by showing up. She gets that way by trying to beat her opponent often and failing often. So do the little things well, and you're going to be so flipping hard to beat. All right, final recap from this list of things that'll boost your chance of winning. One, find a way to have energy before the first pitch. If you don't know how, go back to that one, rewind, and go visit a couple episodes where it's gonna help you have energy from before the game, not an inning six. Number two, practice how to fail fast. If you can fail fast, then you're going to be back on the horse being able to go get the job done more often than not. Number three, focus on the now and how to be present, not living in the past or the future. Those don't exist anymore. The now is what exists. Number four, be more excited for your teammate's success than your own. Got it? It's gonna be hard. But truly lean into that and you guys will win more. Number five, play to your strengths not the level of your opponent. Realize what you're good at, go execute. Number six, be really, really good at the fundamentals. And if you're not really, really good at the fundamentals, you should probably start with that one. You really should. All right. All episodes that I've referred to in this episode, I'm putting in the show notes for you to check out. Highly recommend if you haven't listened to some of these, go listen to them. They're only going to give you a better chance of winning. And I know how badly you want to win. Because truly, I love winning, but like I also very much hate losing, but winning is fun. Now, I encourage you, go pick the one, you individually, go pick the one that stands out to you or your team the most right now and go work on mastering it. I've said this before in other episodes, don't just do all six from the get-go because then you're just going to put a little bit of work into each one. No, pick the biggest red flag. Maybe it's the no drama rule. This one's really hard, but the faster you figure out that one and you're a team and you realize that you're a team and you realize that drama only gives you a worse chance of winning, the more you're going to win when you start defining the fact that, hey, the person to my right and my left, they're required in order to win. So I better show up and figure it out. Or maybe it's learning how to fail fast. I really encourage you to check this one out, especially that Sue Anquist episode because she literally had practice. I said this before, had a station where her team worked on this. Maybe you're a coach and you're like, wow, we don't practice this. Go practice it. It could be five minutes. It could be a tiny little station at practice. The more we practice it, the more we learn how to fail and fail quickly, the more wins we're going to get. That's the only way we're going to get better is through repetition. So... This is my encouragement to get on it. Master these skills. Watch the game before you start being a little bit more fun and watch you and your team start winning more. Winning is fun. So go master these. All right. Are you enjoying When the Cleats Come Off? Because if you are, make sure you're not only subscribed on your favorite podcast platform because you're also going to get notifications when each episode drops, but also can you leave me a review? It's just about the easiest way you can promote this podcast other than word of mouth and get this word out. Don't forget to join the When the Cleats Come Off Facebook community as well, where you can share some of your favorite moments from each episode with a community eager to learn how they can be better for their athletes too. You can find that link also in the show notes. Thank you so much, so much for your support of the podcast. And I am so excited to keep creating episodes just like this one for you. The game is way more fun when we can start embracing the good, the bad, and the ugly. So don't forget to stay awkward, stay humble, and of course, keep smiling. I'll see you next week.